1: And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. I love to hear from listeners. Shoot me an email. The address is right now, jimdaws at gmail.com. That's spelled D-A-W-S. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772 245 750 That's 772 245 750 Well, I want to start today's broadcast by again uh, appealing to you to if you if you see the announcement of this show, either the live broadcast or the podcast on any of your social media platforms, so uh, Facebook or Twitter or uh, BitChute or Gab or Minds or MeWe, or we're all over social media. I'd I'd appreciate it if you just take a second and like it and share it with your friends so we can continue to expand the reach of this broadcast. Um so yesterday, just prior to our live broadcast, Dancy Pelosi and the House Democrats dropped this eighteen hundred and fifteen page bill, which spends three trillion dollars. They've they've entitled it the Heroes Act, but if you dig into this bill, you can see it is anything but heroic. And this uh this piece of legislation, which would be the largest piece of legislation uh, to ever pass the U.S. Congress, Um, is a political grab bag for all of the left-wing radical Democrats' uh, harebrained schemes and pet projects and and lots and lots of pork for their uh, campaign donors. It, uh, It has in it almost a trillion dollars that's dedicated to state and local governments to bail them out. It'll uh, it'll go toward bailing them out of their pension obligations that they have built up uh, by having overly generous uh, pensions that uh, allow all sorts of abuse and by not funding it. It's built up over decades. So now the states, uh, the red states that have conducted themselves physically responsibly are, according to this bill, going to be on the hook to bail out these uh, these boondoggles in these blue states. It's got $500 billion for state governments and $375 billion to local governments. And it'll go to bail out uh, New York and New Jersey and Illinois and California, and it'll send the tab to Texas and Florida and Georgia and uh, in, Indiana and other states that have not... Um, run up these huge huge liabilities it's got 1.7 billion dollars in it uh, for historically black colleges and universities 20 million dollars for howard university alone 11 million dollars for uh gallaudet university i think that's for uh deaf people i'm not sure what funding universities um for minorities and uh, other uh you know groups that are loyal to the democrats have to do with the coronavirus it uh it's got just tons and tons of provisions related to immigration it's going to give a uh, a blanket amnesty to any uh illegal immigrant in the country currently that is uh working in a so-called essential business these, this list of essential businesses is over half of the economy, and very and is where uh, illegal aliens are uh, are broadly focused. So this will this will be an amnesty uh, that once enacted will never be um, retracted, and it'll basically make uh, a, a blanket amnesty. It'll also give out huge numbers of uh, more H one B visas to uh, to allow more immigrants uh, who the Democrats are certain will become, you know, their future constituents to come to the country. At the same time, you've got uh, 20 or million or more American workers out of work, unemployed and desperately uh, needing to return to the job market. It's got $10 million for the national endowments for the arts, $10 million for the national endowment for the humanities. $755 $755 million for the government in Washington, D.C. It uh, it just goes on and on. And uh, this bill will, of course, um, be piled on top of the $2 trillion that were uh, in the uh, initial stimulus package. But, you know, we're, we're much more targeted to actual American citizens and legal immigrants that are st- – are uh, suffering because of this lockdown strategy basically what you have in this this bill is the uh, codification of Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals it uh, Saul Alinsky had you know that famous book says that the first thing you do is take over health care we know uh, that you know having socialized health care is the Democrats' number one priority. They want to eliminate market forces in the provision of health care and make people dependent on government. This uh, this bill will further uh, incentivize people not to return to work because it will be more profitable for them to stay home and uh, and stay on the government dole. It increases debt. This is one of Olensky's uh, uh, key markers to increase the debt to unsustainable levels and pass these uh, these bills onto our children and grandchildren and and uh, make it uh, impossible to climb out of the hole and of course it rewards their uh, left- wing education rackets uh, to the tune of billions and billions of dollars and and basically it's going to to make everybody dependent on the government now, The truth of the matter is this bill uh, doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of getting past the Senate. It is uh, part of the Democrats' tactic of promising the sun and the stars to their uh, constituents uh, right in the run-up to this 2020 election so that they can uh, incentivize them to defeat Donald Trump and the Senate Republicans so that they can, in in fact, pass this kind of left-wing gravy train. They're basically uh, saying to, to all their constituencies, if you'll vote for us, this is the model for government that we'll, we'll institute going forward. And uh, and as a result of that, they're going to have, you know, a lot of uh, these special interest groups start pouring money into Joe Biden's campaign. Uh, Senator Barrasso, I think he's from uh, one of the Dakotas. Let's see. Uh, he, he responded to Nancy Pelosi. She's uh, she's not making any public statements about this. She's basically keeping her head down. She's still holed up in her San Francisco mansion uh, munching on gourmet ice cream. But here's what Barrasso had to say about this bill. Well, the Senate is here working and the House is still at home.
2: Uh, but Nancy Pelosi has been very active coming out with this over 1,800-page bill spending over $3 trillion. It's big, it's bloated, it's partisan, and it's a payoff to her liberal constituencies. What it isn't going to do is focus on the CARES Act to take a look at what's working, why it's working, and what we can do to make it work even better. So let me state the obvious. What Nancy Pelosi is proposing will never pass the Senate. Her efforts of so-called election reform and bailing out large state pension plans, trillions of dollars, will never become law. Republicans know what we're focused on. We're focused on helping American families. We want to do it in a way that is targeted and temporary, and specifically focuses on the coronavirus and the implications of it. That means focusing on people's health care, on testing, on vaccines, on treatment and focusing on the liability reform that is necessary to help small businesses open again so they don't have to live in fear of a lawsuit, in addition to their efforts of trying to open their businesses and open our states and open our schools and our universities.
1: So if you want to know why the Democrats in these blue states are determined to keep these lockdowns in place, it's because they're waiting for Nancy Pelosi to introduce these bills that, uh, that will bail out their governments and, uh, and a reward all of these uh, special interest groups that make up the Democrat coalition. Um, I I believe in the coming days, this thing's supposed to be scheduled for a vote in the house next Tuesday. I don't know if they're going to pass it with one of these uh, unanimous consent motions uh, that prevents them from having to come back to Washington, but it's expected to get a vote next Tuesday. Uh, in that time, this uh, we'll continue to dig into this bill and and find out all of these giveaways and these uh, these open border schemes that are contained in this, and we'll uh, we'll have that for you in the coming days. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this message, and we'll talk about the latest efforts to unmask or to declassify and release the uh, the details of this unmasking that went, took place during the Russia hoax. Stick with us.
3: ¡Mojo
4: And business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed, risk free call right now.
5: 800 631 9241. 800 631 9241. 800 631 9241. That's 800 631 9241.
1: So the battle to make the American public completely aware of what went on, uh, in this Obama administration's Russia hoax, this, uh, effort to spy on the Trump campaign and set him up is, uh, is really coming along now and, uh, acting director of national intelligence. So, uh, um, Grinnell has declassified all of these, um, these names of Obama administration officials that unmasked members of the trump campaign with these nsa uh, wiretaps yes i'm going to use that word wiretaps because that's basically what they are is the modern day version of a wiretap and he's uh he's declassified uh this list of names of uh, these obama administration officials that were engaged in this you probably saw the other day him carrying a briefcase uh, from uh, the director of national intelligence office over to the doj well now we're learning that the Department of Justice has no intention of publishing this list. And uh, it's got people on the right, of course, that have been waiting uh, for years uh, to, to you know start exposing this scheme. It's got them up in arms. Uh, but the truth of the matter is it's not the Department of Justice's uh, job. It's not Bill Barr's appropriate function. To uh, to you know be doing this unmasking, the Department of Justice is not supposed to be in the business of public relations. Yes, it most certainly should be unmasked, and now that it has been declassified, there's no argument for not uh, letting the American people see it. And uh, the Department of Justice, uh, while they need to look at this list, and it needs to go directly to John Durham, so that they can. Uh, get to the bottom of these uh, leaks that took place trying to you know, sabotage the incoming administration. It's not his job to, uh, to engage in public relations ahead of that. So it's a correct decision by Bill Barr, but it still should be released. And you know who should release it? The President of the United States needs to release this. Trump needs to uh, issue an order from the White House, making all of these documents publicly available so we, we can see um, you know, all of the wrongdoing that went on here. We know Susan Rice was part of it, Samantha Powers, Sally Yates, all of these people that we now know were testifying behind closed doors and in, in, uh, in the House and the Senate that were making public statements uh, that, you know, there was a, a ample proof a Russian collusion were testifying behind closed doors that there was nothing there, and uh, I'll take you on a trip down memory lane. This is Susan Rice appearing on uh, PBS, uh, saying that she had no knowledge of any um, effort at unmasking uh, these these NSA intercepts with the Trump campaign
0: during the
5: transition after uh, uh, President Trump uh, had been elected, that he and the people around him may have been caught up in surveillance of foreign individuals and that their identities may have been disclosed. Do you know anything about this? I know nothing about this. I know nothing
1: about this, she says. Well, we now know because we've seen uh, the records of this January 5th, 2017 meeting that she knew everything about it because she was there and she wrote this memo on her way out the door uh, referring to that meeting. We know now that uh, what was discussed at this meeting was the uh, uh, Comey unmasking uh, these intercepts with Michael Flynn and the ambas- the Russian ambassador. Biden himself was at that meeting and he was asked uh, on George Stephanopoulos' Sunday show, uh, what he knew about it. Uh, originally, he uh, he told the party line and said he knew nothing about it as well. Talking
5: about... I do want to ask you about Michael Flynn, the former National Security Advisor to President Trump, and the move by the Justice Department last week to dismiss the case against him for lying to the FBI. The president said yesterday that that move is justified because President Obama targeted Flynn. He called it, quote, the biggest political crime in U.S. history. Your former Senate colleague, Charles Grassley, has added that Flynn was entrapped and asked on the Senate floor, what did Obama and Biden know? When did they know it? So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done?
6: I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number
1: one. I know nothing. I know nothing. Just like Susan Rice, I I know nothing. I was sitting in that meeting when this was discussed, but I know nothing. And to his credit, and sort of surprisingly, George Stephanopoulos, who is a Democrat operative posing as a journalist, Followed up on the question. Number
6: two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time. The country is in crisis. We're in an economic crisis, a health crisis. We're in real trouble. He should stop trying to always divert attention from the real concerns of the American people. The American people are worried with good reason. He has acted irresponsibly from the very beginning. He continues to act irresponsibly. He hasn't done his job. This is all about diverting attention. Diverting attention from the horrible way in which he has acted with what he did he's not the we don't have coronavirus because of him but we have the devastating impact of it because of his lack of a policy
1: well so it's a diversion now we we need to stop talking about the russia hoax because uh, we've got other things on our plate now we attempted to sabotage this administration for three years and now that this is coming to light we need to stop talking about it and as I said, uh, George Stephanopoulos followed up.
6: His lack of action. I do it's want to all press about diversion.
5: I do want to press that. You say you didn't know anything about it, but you were reported to be at a January 5, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael, Michael Flynn over those uh, conversations he had with the uh, Russian ambassador, Kislyak.
6: Now, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that, there, that they asked for an uh uh-huh.
1: He thought that he was going to get the slide on that question. And, uh, again, I say, I'm, you know, kind of, uh, surprised that Stephanopoulos followed up on it. I, I think that it's sort of an indication that the Democrats aren't, aren't that on board with Joe Biden being the nominee to begin with and, uh, are sort of taking the kid gloves off, but this is, uh, this is going to be a, um, a pattern that you will see emerging where all of these these uh, Obama appointees who said, I know nothing, are being exposed that they, in fact, knew everything. I know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. I know nothing. Nothing. Uh, Kellyanne Conway stepped to the microphone yesterday and uh, took her opportunity to get her licks in. On all of these Obama appointees that are now being exposed.
7: We learned from newly released transcripts a few things. We learned that what some Obama officials were saying publicly was much different than what they were saying privately. Uh, James Clapper was out there saying that um, he had evidence that this was worse than Watergate, um, when in fact, a few weeks later, he was saying privately, I never saw any direct empirical evidence that the Trump campaign or someone in it was plotting or conspiring with Russia. Samantha Power said, I am not in possession of anything. I am not in possession and didn't read or absorb any information that came out of the intelligence community suggesting collusion. Ambassador Rice, I don't recall intelligence or evidence to that effect. Former Attorney General Loretta Lynch, I can't say that if it existed or not. I don't recall that being briefed up to me. So it brings the question, it brings the question to light. Why then did we have many years of investigating collusion that these Obama administration officials never existed, they never saw any evidence of, but for three years, the American people were dragged through the mud and told that their choice for the President of the United States might have been a Russian asset based on no evidence of all at all. Uh, this President was exonerated by the Mueller reports, um, and there are some real questions for these individuals who are saying one thing. <laughs> think- well,
1: there are some real questions for these individuals, but uh, I know exactly how they'll respond. I know nothing, nothing. (laughs) So Brian Stetler has joined in with uh, Joe Biden's line that, uh, you know, why are we uh, still talking about Russiagate now that uh, the truth is finally coming out?
8: So disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days where there's such an obsession with the deep state and these uh, revelations about the Russia probe.
1: So why are they so obsessed with the Russia probe? Can't we just move on now that we've smeared the president for three years and it's his time to get exoneration? Well, let's take a walk down memory lane about how Brian Stetler treated this Russiagate hoax. Latest on the Robert Mueller
8: Russia investigation. Mueller investigation. The Russian investigation. Trump's Russia ties. And Robert Mueller. The real Russia story. Russia probe. The ongoing Russia probe. Russia probe. Russia investigation. But Mueller and the Russia probe. Russia synergies. They wonder if Russia has compromising information on the president. What is the source for the president's claim that... They have found no collusion with Russia. He misspelled collusion. Every day we're trying to keep track of the drip, drip, drip of the Russia investigation. Drip, 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 drip. Trump and Russia. To see whether Trump was secretly working for Russia. bring it back to Russia and Russia and Russia. Russia Russia Russia's Russia 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 and Russia Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Mueller investigation. Mueller report. Russia conspiracy. Do you believe
1: that he's colluding with Russia? So You know, has there ever been a bigger buffoon on television? Than Brian Stettler. Now you could make a good argument that uh, Rachel Maddow is a uh, more wa- wild-eyed and and uh, unhinged. You could make uh, an argument that uh, Chuck Todd is is on network TV and has his own Sunday news show, which is sort of the premier news shows for these networks, and that he's every bit as obsessed. But Brian Stettler I think, deserves his own place. In the history of this Russia hoax That's been perpetrated on the American people Because he is just so Pathetic and so transparently Hypocritical We've got to run out to a break When we come back we're going to take a look at uh, Dr. Fauci's testimony Before the Senate yesterday And we're going to look at the latest Freak out In the media calling Donald Trump racist And we'll catch up to, uh, to The latest news Out of the Supreme Court They've got some interesting cases going on there. So stick with us, and we'll be right back after a brief commercial messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five-O Radio Network, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective one of the other stories that's coming to light as a result of these declassified interviews that uh, have been hidden from the American people for three years that exonerated Donald Trump's uh, and and these Democrat charges of collusion with Russia is uh, that, that John Brennan um, scrubbed this intelligence community assessment that they published uh, that claimed that uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia wanted Donald Trump to be elected president and that they were engaged in uh, this this big effort to interfere in the election in order to get Donald Trump elected. We're now learning that that intelligence was cherry picked, and that many other intelligence agencies in Washington, D.C., in fact, uh, concluded that they wanted Hillary Clinton to be elected. That part wasn't. Uh, produced in this intelligence assessment that for the longest time they insisted was written by all 17 intelligence agencies. It was not, it was uh, done by representatives from three intelligence agencies, the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA. And it was handpicked by uh, James Clapper in order to try to smear the incoming administration. It was always a transparent fiction that Russia would have wanted Donald Trump to be elected president. For one thing, Hillary Clinton was uh, promising that she was going to do away with American reliance on fossil fuels and that she was going to lock up all of our energy resources in the ground. Well, that's music to Vladimir Putin's ears. Russia's main source of, um, you know, uh, the main economy is based on energy and unleashing america's uh, fracking industry and allowing america to become the largest uh energy producer in the world was an absolute death knell to the russian economy at the same time donald trump was promising to uh reform and restore our military superiority hillary clinton was promising to cut the defense budget again if you were Vladimir Putin and you considered the United States a, a mortal enemy, why in the world would you support the the guy that's promising to increase our military? Donald Trump was uh, promising to uh, get the NATO allies to increase their contribution to their own defense. Again, Hillary Clinton was perfectly glad to uh, uh, continue to let the Europeans not contribute to NATO and not. Uh, you know, have their military bolstered and Donald Trump, um, had said repeatedly that, uh, he had criticized the Obama, uh, policy of allowing Russia to, uh, to, you know, continue to, uh, to hold sway in Ukraine. It's really amazing. Uh, it's another, um, one of these uh, big lies that the Democrats told, and that was allowed, uh, you know, to go forward. We're now learning as a result of uh, Richard Grinnell's efforts that it was all a giant lie. So yesterday, Dr. Uh, Fauci testified before the Senate. I'm going to start calling him Dr. Doom because he always focuses on the negative And, uh, you know, his testimony seems to be designed to scare the bejesus out of people. Uh, he's now, uh, you know. Hiding behind the children. We have to think of the children. We can't reopen our our schools or our colleges because the children. Here's a clip from his testimony yesterday.
3: What I've expressed then and again is my concern that if some areas, cities, states, or what have you, jump over those various checkpoints and prematurely open up without having the capability of being able to respond effectively, and efficiently, my concern is that we will start to see little spikes that might turn into outbreaks.
1: Well, that's interesting because in Georgia, uh, the governor there, Kemp, was criticized brutally because he was uh, he was going ahead and uh, reopening his economy. And uh, th- there were gloom and doom predictions from many uh, Democrats, including Fauci that uh, that was going to result in, uh, you know, Georgia becoming a hotspot. Nothing like that has happened. There have been no increases in hospitalizations related to the coronavirus in Georgia as a result of uh, Georgia's reopening. And, and uh, that's the same in Florida and, and uh, Texas and these other red states who have made their own decisions and uh, sort of sidelined Fauci's guidelines. Yesterday, Rand Paul uh, pushed back on on uh, fauci and uh, finally somebody in official position uh, pointed out that fauci has been repeatedly wrong and should not be considered the end all and be all of our uh, response to coronavirus
9: will then tell you definitively if that's the case. And I think that's important because a, in all likelihood is a good way of putting it, the vast majority of these people have immunity. Instead of saying there is no evidence, you know, the WHO kind of fed into this by saying no evidence of immunity. And in reality, there's every evidence stacking up. And In fact, a lot of the different studies have shown that it is very unlikely that you get it again in the short term. With regard to going back to school, One thing that was left out of that discussion is uh, mortality. I mean, shouldn't we at least be discussing what the mortality of children is? Um, This is for Dr. Fauci as well. You know, the mortality between 0 and 18 in the New York data approaches 0. It's not going to be absolutely 0, but it almost approaches 0. Between 18 and 45, the mortality in New York was uh, 10 out of 100,000. So really, we do need to be thinking about that. We need to uh, observe with an open mind what went on in Sweden where the kids kept going to school. The mortality per capita in Sweden is actually less than France, less than Italy, less than Spain, less than Belgium, less than the Netherlands, about the same as Switzerland. But basically, I don't think there's anybody arguing that what happened in Sweden is an unacceptable result. I think people are intrigued by it, and we should be. I don't think any of us are certain when we do all these modelings. There have been more people wrong with modeling than right.
1: we opening up a
9: lot of economies around the, around the U.S., and I hope that people who are predicting doom and gloom and say, oh, we can't do this, there's going to be a surge, we'll admit that they were wrong if there isn't a surge, because I think that's what's going to happen. In rural states, we never really reached any sort of pandemic levels in Kentucky and other states. We have less deaths in Kentucky than we have in in an average flu season. It's not to say this isn't deadly, but really outside of New England, we've had a relatively benign course for this virus nationwide. And I think the one-size-fits-all that we're going to have a national strategy and nobody's going to go to school is kind of ridiculous. We really ought to be doing it school district by school district, and the power needs to be dispersed because people make – wrong predictions. And really, the history of this, when we look back, will be of wrong prediction after wrong prediction after wrong prediction, starting with uh, Ferguson in England. So I think we ought to have a a little bit of humility in in our uh, belief that we
1: know what's best for the economy. And as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make a decision. Well, he is not the end all. And uh, his history of predictions in this case have been uh, disastrously wrong on, on nearly everything. The number of deaths, the number of infections, the spread, uh, you know, the, the countermeasures. He's uh, consistently downplayed the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine while, uh, while promoting uh, more expensive drugs that are, uh, you know, in development. And he's now telling us that uh, we can't go back to school until a vaccine is developed. Well, there may never be a vac- vaccine developed. There's still no vaccine for the SARS uh, virus. And they've been working on that uh, now for five or six years. The truth of the matter is uh, a child going to school or, you know, a, a young person going to college is far more at risk from, you know, being killed on the school bus or uh, on his way to and from class than then c- catching this coronavirus. Ninety six percent of them will show no uh, no symptoms whatsoever. And the remaining four uh, percent will recover pretty quickly, right in line with the seasonal flu. Here's a a clip of uh, Fauci scaremongering.
3: We don't know everything about this virus and we really better be very careful, particularly when it comes to children. For example, right now, children presenting with with COVID-19 who actually have a very strange inflammatory syndrome, very similar to Kawasaki syndrome. I think we better be careful if we are not cavalier in thinking that children are completely immune to the deleterious effects.
1: So this is what happens when you put a, a cautious Washington bureaucrat with lots of conflicts. And you got to keep in mind that he is uh, you know, big buddies with Bill Gates who insists that before anybody returned to work or school, we have to have a vaccine, but uh, let's take a walk down memory lane and, uh, and listen to what Fauci uh, was saying uh just about a month and a half ago on the subject of masks uh here we go no sorry here we go
3: there's no reason to be walking around with a mask when you're in the middle of an outbreak Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying Uh, uh, inside uh, there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of
1: healthcare providers needing them and people. So we don't need masks. That was a month and a half ago. Here's what he has to say today on the topic of masks.
3: But some sort of mask-like facial covering, I think for the time being, should be a very regular part of how we prevent the spread of infection. And in fact, the more and more as you go outside, right here and where I'm sitting in Washington, D.C., you can see many people out there with masks on, which gives me some degree of comfort that people are taking this very seriously.
1: You got to ask yourself, why is Fauci? I think he's approaching his eighties now. Why is he still working in the federal government? Uh, why Why has he not uh, gone ahead and taken his retirement and gone to the private sector? Uh, I think he's comfortable in this uh, this this federal bureaucracy where he's never held to account. If he were working for a corporation and he had made these dire predictions and caused all of these uh, these state economies to close down and destroyed uh the economy he would be fired and he would never be able to work in that field again the the president should have followed his gut early on in this and uh and resisted all of these shutdowns they they should have been targeted and limited to uh to the the hot spots that were in uh, in the northeast corridor new york and new jersey and massachusetts and some parts of connecticut and he should send dr fauci um, down to Antarctica to study microbes or something. If he wants to stay in the government, that's fine. He's got civil service protections, but he should not be the one leading this effort uh, because his constant doom and gloom have have pretty much wrecked this economy. And the Democrats are all on board with it. Uh, in the Democrat-controlled state out in California, they're uh, they're promising to shut down for an additional three months, the largest. Economy, the most populous state, has determined that they're going to uh, to keep this economy locked down. And uh, the the numbers out there never really supported these drastic efforts, and they certainly don't now. In Georgia, they've reopened the economy, and so far they've seen no noticeable change. And what this is all about is the rise of testing. Fauci's guidelines say you can't reopen unless you have a reduction in the number of cases. Well, he's making that demand at the same time that we're ramping up testing, uh, you know, eight and 10 times the amount that were previously uh, being tested. So, of course, you're going to have an increase in the number of diagnosed positive cases. And if you follow these guidelines, that's a recipe for never reopening. It's a recipe for economic suicide of this country. So I've got a clip here. This is the uh, Illinois Public Health Director talking about um the number of deaths in her state and uh the number of deaths that are being attributed to the uh, to the coronavirus.
8: I just want to be clear in terms of the definition of people dying of COVID. So the case definition is is very simplistic. It means at the time of death, um, it it was a COVID-positive diagnosis. So that means that if you were in hospice and had already been given, you know, a few weeks to live, and then you also were found to have COVID, that would be counted as a COVID death. It means that if... um, Technically, if, even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. So um, everyone who's listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time of death. I hope that's helpful.
1: Yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful to know, uh, finally, one of these, uh, these states admitting that they're inflating the number of deaths that are being caused by COVID. And, and you know, across this country, we have elderly people die uh, all the time. And in New York and New Jersey and uh, these other Democrat states, if, uh, if somebody that died also had, uh, had the uh, Wuhan virus, they're being counted as a Wuhan virus death. We don't know uh, how many of those actually died of the, the disease. Oh, man. The Pennsylvania Public Health Secretary, uh, Director, I should say, is now admitting that uh her state followed the same guidelines that New York did in forcing nursing homes to admit uh Wuhan virus positive patients which uh led to you know outbreaks in these nursing homes and uh, and many deaths and uh, she's being questioned about it at a news conference yesterday Secretary, we're
6: hearing that you moved your mother from a nursing home to a hotel.
1: Let me try that again. Uh, It's a very low volume.
6: Our first question is from ABC
8: 27.
6: Secretary, we're hearing that you moved your mother from a nursing home to a hotel. What message does that send to the thousands of Pennsylvanians whose parents are in nursing homes but may be unable to move them out um, when the person in charge is overseeing nursing homes and is in charge of the state's response to coronavirus moves out their own
8: parent. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that question. Uh, My mother actually is is a resident of a personal care home, uh, not a nursing home, and uh, that is regulated by the Department of Human Services, not the Department of Health. My mother requested, and my sister and I, as her children complied, to move her to another location during the COVID-19 outbreak. My mother is 95 years old. She is very intelligent and more than competent to make her own decisions. I remain committed to protecting residents in Pennsylvania.
1: So her own mother was moved out of a elder care facility while she is uh, enacting policies that require these types of facilities to admit people, actually requires them to admit people that uh, that have Uh, the infection stick with us we got to take a break we'll be right back
4: if you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs listen to me you don't know me and we'll never meet i had a problem like you once i drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem, and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors.
5: That's
1: 800-957-6209. So the media's got their latest freakout uh, calling Donald Trump racist, and this is a result of uh, an exchange that took place at yesterday's uh, press briefing with the president. I don't know why he uh, he takes so many questions from the, uh, the reporters, there's so few reporters there that he ends up uh, going back to them again and again. He should take no more than one round of questions and then call it a day. But um, there was a, a reporter from um, from NBC. Uh, she looks Asian. Um, you really couldn't tell it when she asked the question because she was wearing a mask. And she, she asked the president, pardon? She asked the president uh, this question.
7: Why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you if everyday Americans are still losing their
1: I should have set that up better. She, she asks uh, the question, well, why are you bragging about the number of tests? You recall for months, uh, well, for weeks, I should say, uh, the media was uh, screaming about we've got to ramp up testing. We've got to ramp up testing. And now that they've actually ramped up testing, uh, the question is, well, why do you keep bragging about so much testing?
7: Why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you if every day Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day?
1: Well, why does it matter? It matters because you made it matter. And he's responding to to this uh, this searing criticism by pointing out that uh, we're doing more testing than the rest of the world combined. Here's his response.
10: Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. China Don't ask me. Ask China, China. that question, okay? China, China, China ask them that question, you may get a very China, unusual China. China. answer. Yes, behind you, please. Ch- China.
1: China. What, sir? Oh, China. You're not allowed to say China, especially not to an Asian reporter. China. China, China.
7: What, sir, why are you saying that to me specifically?
10: I'm but telling you, I'm not that? saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question. Oh, that's not a nasty Please question. go ahead. Why does it matter? When? Okay. Uh, anybody else? Please go ahead in the back, please. I
7: have, t- I have two questions. No, it's okay.
10: But we'll you pointed to me. I
0: have two questions, Mr. Next,
1: next. He pointed to her, and then she deferred, stepped back, and allowed her her uh, Asian colleague uh, to to throw this little tantrum. So, of course, this was the latest, latest cause celeb by the Democrats over on CNN. Uh, George Costanza, Brian Stettler had this to say.
8: It is racist to look at an Asian-American White House correspondent and say, ask China. This isn't happening in a vacuum. This is part of a pattern of behavior from the president that goes back many years. So he's he doesn't have the benefit of the doubt that someone might have if for the first time ever in their We
1: think he's a racist, so he doesn't have the benefit of the doubt.
8: He doesn't have the benefit of the doubt that someone might have if, for the first time ever in their life, they made a comment like that to a reporter. And he's also had this pattern of reacting to minority journalists in a very specific and different way.
1: Oh, poor minority journalists. Wouldn't it be more racist if he didn't give the same answer that he gives uh, uh, you know, to people questioning the number of deaths in this country, if he didn't give that same answer to Uh, Somebody that, uh, you know, had Chinese heritage. Here's uh, a a montage of examples of him uh, saying just these kind of things to all white reporters.
10: There's nobody ever been tougher on China than me. Our relationship with China was good until they did this. All I can say is wherever it came from, came from China. They didn't report what was happening inside of China. No, I'm not happy with China. They didn't want us to close our borders to so China, the only leader of a country that closed our borders tightly against China. We're talking to China, and uh, we've expressed how we felt. We're not happy about it.
1: Why are you saying that to me specifically? You're not allowed to say that. You're a racist. Over on the view, they jumped on the bandwagon. Of course, take a look. You
7: said many times that the U.S. is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing. Yes. Why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you? If every day Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day,
1: why does it matter? I mean, it's a it's a nonsensical question to begin with. You made it matter.
10: Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Don't ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind you, please.
7: Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically?
10: I'm what telling you, you I'm not, not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody who would ask a nasty question That's like that. That's not a nasty Please, question. That's go ahead.
7: a
1: very nasty question. Why are you having so many people die?
10: CNN's Caitlin Collins tried to get another
4: question in, but he stormed off before she could. Now- no,
1: he stormed off before she could. He should have ended it uh, uh, far sooner than this. If you if you allow these these reporters' opportunities to uh to posture and grandstand they will most certainly take it that's what they're there for they're there to become part of the story joy you say this is right on brand for him
10: what do you mean
7: He's a, you know what, Whoopi? We all know now that he's a racist. He's a racist? He's a disgusting racist. Disgusting. We knew it when he attacked Mexicans. We knew it when he when he defended Charlottesville people. And we know it when he goes after China and he goes after a Chinese-American girl. He is a racist. He's a racist. He throws red meat to his base on a regular basis. And anybody who still supports this guy needs to look in the mirror and ask themselves if they are racist also. That's You
1: know what? Uh, everybody that supports this guy needs to do they need to uh to prepare to re-elect donald trump so that these these idiots that scream racism at the slightest pretext can know that uh that, that it's not working on a related story uh to china the the president has now halted plans for the federal retirement uh system uh to continue investing in chinese firms these Chinese firms that uh, portray themselves as private businesses are nothing of the sort. They are completely beholden to the uh, communist dictatorship in China. And when these, uh, these retirement funds, and it's not just the federal retirement funds, it's state and local retirement funds all across this country, invest in these Chinese funds. They're basically supporting the Chinese dictatorship and their determination to, uh, to do harm to the American economy and uh, to challenge us militarily, so finally, finally, at long last, this issue has gotten the president's attention, and he's going to uh, force these federal retirement uh, funds to disinvest from these uh, these Chinese funds. Well, here's a related story uh, to the to the Flynn matter. Of course, uh, you know that the Department of Justice has now withdrawn their charges against. Uh, General Flynn, but the judge has to sign off on it. In, order, in other words, uh, he has to give the Department of Justice permission to withdraw this case and withdraw Flynn's guilty plea. Well, that uh, that ruling was supposed to have come out of his court uh, either Monday or yesterday, but the, uh, the judge in this case, Judge Emmett Sullivan, has put a hold on all of that, and he's decided that he's going to uh, accept amicus briefs. From anybody who wants to submit them to the to the court, and this shows that Sullivan is not inclined to uh, to allow these charges to be withdrawn. He he wants all these left wing uh, law firms to submit briefs uh, and tell him why he should not allow that to happen, and then he can base his ruling on it, and it'll be some you know two hundred page ruling that'll be full. ...of these left-wing law firms' amicus briefs. Uh, On some good news, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States yesterday upheld a uh, a law that had been struck down... ...that uh, allowed the Trump administration to make it a felony to encourage or assist people to come to the United States illegally. So we got a, a big win at the Supreme Court yesterday. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us. Like us on Facebook and uh, share us on Twitter, or the other way around. And be back here tomorrow for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. been working at Santa's workshop for a long time
4: and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile.
0: Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.